everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Marcus, and my co-host, Frankie. And we are here to talk a little bit about what's been going on at the Australian Open, our classic Grand Slam midweek review. Frank, we got a lot to get through. Where should we even kick this thing off? I think, even though it might be a little bit biased, we have to start with the United States of America, who... This is the first time that there are, I believe it was four men in the round of 16 um, since, I can't even remember the major, I think it was like 2003, something like that. So, I I mean, this was a tremendous showing for the United States. um, And a lot of these guys, I think all of them are under 25, which is a really impressive feat. And I was saying to my coworker actually earlier today, that the other impressive feat is that it's not Francis Tiafo or Taylor Fritz, which is really showing the depth that the Americans do in fact have on the men's side and Riley Opelka is not even playing. So it really goes to show you that there is like quite a, a depth of like very good American tennis players. But I do think similar to what we had mentioned in our American tennis series last year, I don't know if any of these guys are really good enough to win the whole thing. But it is very impressive that America has improved its tennis standing um, at this point. It's very Spain-like where you saw like a bunch of Spanish players for like over a decade just consistently making Grand Slams, semifinals, you know, plus. So, uh, But I think the lead person that we got to talk about that we have mentioned on this podcast has got to be Seb Korda, uh, who took down Daniil Medvedev and has really just, in my opinion, played the tournament of his life right now. I mean, he looks really, really phenomenal. And, you know, for me personally, I think the biggest difference has been the backhand has looked obviously great. That was never a question for me. But you know what, Marcus? I actually disagree with you. I don't necessarily think the serve has looked that much better. I think it's definitely better, but like nothing insane. For me, it's the forehand. His forehand is night and day compared to last year. He's really being aggressive with it. He's really stepping into it and directing action from the baseline. And I think that it's becoming an offensive shot, whereas before it was just not really that. So hats off to uh, Radek Stepanik, who is his main uh, coach and has done a phenomenal job, I think, with Korda this year. He looks he looks really, really good. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. Corda has looked amazing. Uh, he's been taking out mostly people in straight sets. Obviously, took out Hubi Hercash, who's n- no sneeze, by the way. Top 10 player. Number 10 seed. Took him out in a brutal uh, five-setter. And now he's set to face uh, Karin Kachanov in the, in the quarterfinal. So things are looking really good and on the up for Corda. A lot of people were looking for him to break out. Shout out to my boy, Kellen D'Amico from Procore. Uh, he was calling out Corda big time. Really, really impressed with him. Frank, I'm going to go a different direction in terms of American, um, who I actually happened to bring up on the ATP season preview. Yeah. Ben Shelton. Yeah. I mean, no, I love this it. guy has an absolute cannon of an arm. This is like a, Sam- a-, a la Sampras like live arm that we're seeing right now. I don't he- I don't think that that's an exaggeration either. No, I, I, I happen to agree with your assessment. A six foot four version lefty i would say I, rather than rather than sampras i would say it's even like just to give an even more like for like comparison I, I like the lefty comparison yeah, yeah no for sure um but he has been playing so good taking care of business against really good players played a really tough five setter last night against jj wolf and by the way we should mention in the whole you know we're going to get into discussion 
which you brought up earlier about American tennis, a lot of these guys played college, which is huge to see. We need to mention big storyline. We're going to do a separate episode about that because there's a whole big deal now that's going on that between the uh, college tennis and the ATP tour, and it's very much what I had mentioned on our college tennis. Um, episode where i brought up like there should be like a minor league system that's very much what's going to be starting to come about but it's 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 phenomenal to see college tennis returning to the to the stage that it deserves it's certainly in motion jj wolf was was a good junior player but really developed himself at uh ohio state university ben played one year at florida but has clearly shown that he was ready for the tour and i mean he was number three singles at florida at this time last year it's crazy (laughs) to think about his development is insane. And I remember watching him last summer. I was like, okay, you know what? This guy can actually be pretty good. And then I was just mm-hmm. waiting to see him play a couple more tournaments to be consistent. He has looked phenomenal. And Frank, he has a legitimate shot to make the semifinals, by the way. I, he and is my pick to make the semifinals. He's your pick to say, yeah, I'm, I, I would, I'm hesitant I would on it. Him. I'm hesitant on it because I think Tommy Paul has also played like really, really well. He's taken out some tough opponents. Fokina, Brooksby absolutely smoked Brooksby. Took takes out Roberto Batista Good, one of like our break, really tough, just solid. You know, doesn't really give you anything. No, I mean, player. I mean, Tommy Paul has beaten like your classic touring professionals, like your classic professional like, tennis yeah. players, like you your know? serious top thirty players. Yeah. Shelton has gotten a you know a, a decent draw here. You know, Nicholas Jari, Alexei Papirin. But again, you know what? At the end of the day, you got to beat who's in they, front of you. Hey, you can't say anything about the Alexei Papirin one. That was, Papirin had been playing a phenomenal tournament he up until Fritz. that point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he beat Fritz. So I think that the other theme from this Australian Open so far, and and I this was actually something that you had brought up to me over text before the tournament, it is really favoring the big servers. It is playing really fast. It's really hot. And I think that the commonality that we've seen with a lot of these guys is that they have pretty good serves because the biggest thing that I noticed in the match with Tommy Paul versus Jensen Brooksby was the serve. It was the serve. It was it was entirely because Tommy Paul's serve. My grandmother serves better than Jensen Brooksby. Yeah, Jensen Brooksby's got a really go to the drawing board on the serve because if he fixes that, I actually think there's a really interesting player there. But until he fixes that, I, I I cannot see him ever really cracking that upper echelon. But yeah, I think the big serves have have been the commonality. Uh, Tommy Paul, I love to. I mean, we've spoken about how much uh, I I particularly like Tommy Paul. I think he's just a classic. This guy has worked really hard to get to where he is and crafted his game and improved it, and he deserves everything that's gonna happen to him now. And um. You know, getting back to Ben Shelton really quickly, <clears throat> what's amazing about him is that this is a guy who had never left the country until the Australian Open and started the, you know, what was it, in August? He was ranked like 650 in the world. He's now going to be in the top 60 already. Like, he's already clinched that. And, you know, this is this is a guy that is really like a classic case of a diamond in the rough because of COVID. And had COVID not been around, he maybe would have started touring and started doing all of these things like internationally a little bit sooner, but he didn't because of COVID. And instead he chose to go to University of Florida, did some American challengers instead and really worked his way up. And I 
think it kind of benefited him in a weird way. And, and it's just a really perfect storm. And Ben Shelton is just an amazing, amazing story. I love watching him play. I love his energy. I think he is going to be such a great player. One more thing to add to that, Frankie, which I heard about on the tennis channel that the commentators were talking about. And this relates to you mentioning the fact that he had never left the country before. He was slated to receive a wild card into the Australian Open as per the U.S.-Australia uh, agreement with the Slams. He actually knew that if he played in a couple of challengers after the season ended, and if he had done well enough, he wouldn't need that wild card. And he did it. He said, he told his coach, he said, listen, I want to earn my spot. I'm going to go down to Florida, play these challengers. I know it's a grind. It's going to be three or four weeks in a row right before the Australian. He didn't care. He did it. I believe he won at least one of them and made like the final of another one. He might have won a few more too. And now he made it into this slam, uh, you know, without the wild card. So it was given to someone else. So really big shout out to Ben, not only just for, I think it would have done well with a wild card, but the fact that his mindset is like, I want to earn it. You know what I mean? Like that's something so different. He's got a great, great attitude. He's just got a phenomenal, competitive, hungry attitude. And like, He's just another perfect example of like even a year of college, like really helped him out to like craft his game and mature to the point where he gained that confidence and his body developed that he's able to hit the ground running on the tour. So I, I again, I can't really speak highly enough of of Ben Shelton. Um, I'm really, really happy for him. And I, and I hope that uh, I don't really know who I'm rooting for. I love both of those guys. So I'm happy if either one wins to be honest with you but well one of them does have to win yeah i know but that's what that's what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. i'm happy if if either one wins i'd be i'd be happy uh but let's move on to somebody that uh let's go on to the one that marcus got right this was somebody that marcus has highlighted uh before and i kind of gave him a little bit of a raised eyebrow as to his selection that is karen kachanov raised eyebrow looked- is a um is, is an interesting way of putting it frank not a Oh my! You should, yeah, I wish, was, I wish our listeners could have seen your face. It was a, a a head tilt question mark, but I was wrong. Marcus was definitely dead on. Karen Kachanov has looked phenomenal this tournament so far, and again, I think this kind of speaks towards those serving conditions. He has just been able to really dominate uh, opponents so far. So yeah, Marcus, you can go ahead and and take your flowers here, take your victory lap. I don't. I want Karin to take his victory lap. Karin, you know what the thing about him is? He's a good, solid touring player when it's like, you know, playing Masters and 500s. He's a really good slam player for some reason. He plays exceptionally well in slams. He's made a couple of semifinals already. Didn't he just make the U.S. Open semis? Am I mistaken? Uh, He did a few. He did this year. Yeah, he did, yeah. you know, 2022 yeah, and a couple of years Nick. ago, too. Yeah, yeah. He beat he's Nick done Furious. it twice. So he is a, for some reason, he plays really, really well at slams. The He, he plays a very big game, the hot conditions down in, in, in Australia with those balls and the way that the serve is popping off, like you just mentioned, really kind of set him up to succeed. I'm actually pretty surprised he took out TFO in four sets. I thought that was going to be a tighter match. I was expecting a little bit more from TFO, but man, he played really, really well. Took care of Nushioka. Um, and he almost triple bageled him. That would have been really, really cool. No offense, Yoshihito, but uh, he's he's going to take on Seb quarter in a quarterfinal, which in my opinion is total popcorn. I That's a toss-up for me. Yeah, same. I can't really decide who's going to win that. But, you know, Karan is a really, really good experienced slam player. It would not surprise me if he won that match. I, 
I think if I'm betting, I'm betting on Kachanov purely because Korda has played a lot of sets the past few rounds, whereas Kachanov, like you said, I thought he would have a tougher time with Tiafo, but has really managed to stay off the court. So I, I would give the edge towards Kachanov, not only because he's got the experience, but he's got the freshness. So I, I would lean Kachanov, but again, I think that that one is a total toss-up. In my bracket, I have Seb Korda going to the semifinals, so I, I can't really say, you know, I, I really yeah. do think it's a toss-up. I mean, keep it, you know, obviously you didn't expect Kachanov to be there, which is no. probably why you didn't pick that. And you obviously, you know, we picked these picks before the tournament starts, but it's been... Uh, it's been some seriously good ball. Let's talk a little bit, Frank, about uh, one of the guys who you had as one of the f- top favorites and your uh, finalist who you picked uh, from the beginning. Stefano Tsitsipas has looked very, very good so far and took out Yannick Sinner in a thrilling five-set match, albeit after up two sets to love. But we all know Jan takes a while to get warmed up. Walk us through that olive oil skin brethren matchup that you were just dying to <laughs> the see. The olive oil bowl. Um, yeah, I, I think for me, to be honest, there's more to say about Yannick Sinner from that match than there is Steph. Uh, so I'll just touch upon Sinner. I think that this was a really monumental match for, for Yannick. Uh, last year, he got absolutely whipped by Steph and just completely outclassed. And this time... I saw Jan make adjustments like and not just try to overpower Steph and hit through him. He was really attacking the court vertically. And that's what the big change was in that third and fourth set was the drop shot that Jan was hitting was just completely flat footing Sitsipas, And that's how he was able to win those those two sets. Unfortunately for Jan, he had his chances in the first two sets and just was not able to close them. Whereas Steph, you know, the second that he got a sniff of a break on Jan's serve, if Jan had one or two, you know, misplaced serves, missed a first serve, whatever it be, may be, you know, Steph was pouncing. So <clears throat> I think that Yannick also wasn't attacking the backhand as much as he probably should have the first two sets. All of a sudden, he started to really do that in the third and fourth set. But for me, the impressive thing about Sitsipas getting to him now has been, A, the guy is really, really feeding off the crowd in Australia more so than he does at any other event by far. The guy's he's never lost a five-set match in Australia, which is a really fun fact that I love about stuff. And two, and this is something that you may have noticed, I, I like obviously we know and I know that Steph's bread and butter is serve, forehand, one, two, win point. But he is taking it to another level this tournament and really taking advantage of those conditions. And his serve is something that I've criticized him for previously because I don't think that it's nearly as good enough given his build and 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 what I think he's capable of. But he's placing it really well and setting up his forehand so well that he is able to just direct the ball right in the other corner and make it virtually impossible for his opponent to you know, do anything with a lot of these points. So I think the one-two is really the key for Sitsipas and and... I really think the guy's got a pretty clear path to the final for the most part. Um, I think that he and Novak have really looked a step above everybody else, in my opinion. But let's see, because up next, he's playing uh, Jiri Lajeka. I don't want to mispronounce that. But the Czech qualifier, the 21-year-old, who has looked incredible so far. Um, And I've really enjoyed watching, Marcus. This guy's on a mission. 21 years old, 
has been taken out, you know, first two rounds, not really too great of opponents, but he takes out Cam Norrie in five sets and Cam Norrie is no joke. That's a legit, that's never an easy win. Never, never an, an easy, easy win. win, especially since Cam Nori is down in his part of the world where he grew up playing a lot of tennis and he knows those conditions. Lehechka takes him out in five. And then he takes out the podcast favorite FAA. Shout out to Shelby. I told you it would happen. I mean, FAA, man, this is what I'm telling you. This is why when our preview episode of people were messaging us about like, why is, you know, why do you hate on FAA? This is why he can't get it done in the big moment. Lehechka took advantage of that. That I will say in Sinner's defense, and we were just talking about it before the podcast, Sinner has won. Sinner's losses in Grand Slams are five sets to Sitsipas this one. U.S. Open was five sets to Alcaraz. Wimbledon was five sets to Novak Djokovic. And uh, Roland Garros, I believe he lost to Rafa Nadal. Um, Marcus can fact check me on that one. But, like, the guy has had three, like, really tough like grand slam losses and the same cannot be said about faa you know what that's what has become for me you know what he's become for me he's become the casper root of the breakpoint podcast uh come on i don't know no come on he's 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 not meeting he's he's not meeting expectations frank of our of our expectations I mean, the the telling sign for me with FAA is the fact that he lost his first nine ATP finals. Like, that's just a, like, that is like a wild. That's an outrageous stat for a guy That is like level. one of the most outrageous stats ever. It's like, it's like appalling that that happened. Um, so, I, and it like just goes to prove that he's just got the mental yips, I think, a little bit, so. Yeah, no, know, no, but, no one's no one's questioning the game. The yeah, game is there, but. It's upsetting, but. <laughs> Yeah, but shout out to Lechka. He's been playing some seriously really, really good ball. I want to move on to Murray really quick. And okay. I want to hear what your thoughts about Andy Murray's run was because I think that the Berrettini match was crazy good. And I think that, uh, I'm sorry, who did he beat after Berrettini? Kokonakis. Kokonakis. That was another insane match that I thought he had 0% chance of winning. Because he's had these matches where he's won in five sets, and then the next match he just gets absolutely destroyed because his body is spent. But, I mean, the guy's crazy. He's a warrior. Yeah, absolute mental warrior. Unfortunately, that did happen after the second five-setter, which is, we're not getting that insanely That's fit understandable. Murray. Right, we're not getting that insanely fit Murray that we were used to, but it shows progress. I mean, this guy literally has got like a metal something rod in his hip and is out doing this. Beating Matteo Berrettini, who was... You know, we were calling, especially after the whole Breakpoint episode uh, from Netflix, was supposed to be one of the favorites, apparently, at this tournament. And he took care of him, and he could have won that match in three. I think that's actually what killed him, Frank. And the heart and the fight that this guy shows is just so good for the game. And, and what we've seen from him is just just amazing stuff, Frank. Um, I don't know if he's going to be able to do this in the future in terms of, like, really deep runs, but it, it was just so good, especially as, like, a kid watching, like, or somebody who's been in a similar like injury situation, just to watch him come back like that is just like it doesn't really doesn't get much better than that. I don't, what are your thoughts on the whole Murray Sitch? I think it was amazing. I I think it's really good for the game that he's still playing. I love the tenacity in the fight, um, and I think that he he he's. I, I, I just I'm happy that he's able to retire on his own terms potentially and not be forced out by injuries. I think that's my biggest thing. Um, and he's able to like retire with dignity, so to say, um, you know, that, that, that makes me very happy because he's, I think 
chronically one of the most underrated players of all time. And he certainly deserves to retire uh, on his own sort of uh, marker. So very happy for me. Um, I think Murray's ceiling is probably... I'm going to say top 20 in the world. I think he could definitely get to top 20 in the world. Uh, I don't know how much more he could get past that just because that would require a lot of time playing on the tour. And I just don't know if he physically will be able to do that or want to do that, quite honestly. But that that would be my ceiling for him. But that would be great, to be honest, if he could do that. I would be very happy. Um, The next person that we will talk about uh, before we uh, head on to the last topics or so here is Andre Rublev, who has played really, really well, took out Holger Rune, who also had a great tournament, by the way. So shout out to Holger. I thought he played really, really well. But Andre Rublev, able to win that match in uh, a fifth set tiebreak. And, you know, you got to give it to Andre. He, he finally, you know, in my opinion, this was a match that like he was probably not favored to win, I believe, and was able to 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 overcome it. So shout out to him. And, you know, now he sort of gives himself a chance to, to finally reach that major semifinal. Yeah. Unfortunately it's against a guy named Novak Djokovic. So that probably won't happen, but yeah, pretty much. Uh, it, it is a shame though, because he really does deserve, I think to be in the semifinals. Had he been in a different quarter of the draw? Cause he's been disposing of some really good players. I mean, he took Dan Evans to the woodshed four, two and three. Sheesh against any other person in the draw i think he would have like a pretty decent chance even against sitsipas i think he would have like a pretty good chance pretty good chance to make the final 100 percent. so he's just he just got stuck in the wrong quarter um but he's been playing really well so he's someone to look out for Novak is this being Novak? honestly there's really not much to talk about there yeah we'll get into him at the end when we give our predictions for the rest of it but the last two that we wanted to talk about and i want to hear your thoughts casper rude rafa nadal the one and two seeds of the tournament going down fairly early marcus what happened nadal's injury I think this is sort of the beginning of the end for Rafa, kind of like we predicted. Um, I, we, we didn't really expect him to defend his title, but it's unfortunate to see him go out like that. He's a warrior. He obviously played on, but you knew that he wasn't going to win that. Casper, honestly, kind of disappointing. Did not adjust his game whatsoever. Jensen Brooksby drove him absolutely bonkers. Horrible matchup for him, but at number two in the world in a Grand Slam, I, th- I feel like you got to make a better adjustment there especially and take advantage of that second that weak second serve of Brooksby that that was my kind of big sticking point that he wasn't able to adjust and take advantage of what Brooksby was giving him meanwhile Brooksby was doing that to him Casper was throwing up these weird moon balls Brooksby was just taking him on the rise slamming his forehand taking the ball early change in direction Casper played very predictable was not was not really his best showing. Yeah, to me, actually, ironically, it reminded me of a match that we spoke about earlier of last year with Stefano Tsitsipas versus Yannick Sinner, where Sinner was just like, I am playing type A, and that's it. And Stefanos was just throwing out like B, C, D, E, F, G, H, and like Yannick just had no idea what to do about it. And that is very much Casper looked like a deer in headlights for a lot of that match. And for me, the other really concerning thing, and this is something that you've brought up before, is Casper's backhand was just not good enough. I mean, he was just straight moonballing the thing and not really being aggressive on his enough on his forehand to really like weaponize it and like make him scare. It was just bad. I mean, that was a really bad match by Casper. And and obviously he's somebody that we try to say is, you know, really good and not 
to underrate him, but a match like that is really that's a it's <laughs> gonna be a it was, tough one. It was, for dis- it was to disappointing. Come yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not only disappointing, it like reaffirms a lot of the stereotypes that people have about him or like preconceived notions that people have about him, that he is just like a rankings like, you know, one off and like he's just winning against these lower tier opponents. But like when it comes to anybody good, he can't win. You know, it's just it's just tough. It's it's really tough because as a number like if we're going to be as hard on FAA as we are about like you can't lose a match like that. Casper can't lose that match. 100% like, agree. Cannot lose that match. You can't lose to Jensen Brooksby. You know, if you want to lose to like, I mean, even if he lost to Tommy Paul, I would say like, okay, like Tommy Paul, like pretty good player. Like I get it. Um, you know, he's been having a phenomenal tournament so far. Jensen Brooksby got whipped like, you know, what was it around later, two rounds later. So, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. I'm not going to lie, but Let's uh, wrap this puppy up, Marcus. So let's uh, let's let's quickly go through the Australian Open quarter quarterfinals. Excuse me, and uh, why don't you give me some of your predictions uh, and uh, and we'll talk about them. All right. First up, we got Sebastian Corda against Karin Kachanov. Like we spoke about before, that is an absolute toss up for me. I'm going to go with Kachanov just because I think he's got a little bit more slam experience and he's been in those big moments before and this is Seb's first time. I could be totally wrong, but that's just my gut. I really think this one is a 50-50 uh, toss-up. What do you think? Yeah, I know. I, I completely agree. I think 50-50 toss-up. My prediction is, to be honest, I like it's just so close. My prediction for right now is going to be Kachanov because I just don't think I, I like Kachanov has avoided playing too much time on court and Korda has had to go pretty deep with uh, her cash. The match with Medvedev was surprisingly not that long. So I don't know. I, I'm going to lean Kachanov is the answer. But again, if Korda wins that, I would not really be very surprised. So that brings us to the next one, which is going to be Stefano Tsitsipas versus Jiri Lejeka. Uh Marcus, I am going to go with Tsitsipas there, but uh, again, shout out to Lejeka. Love him. Very happy for him. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tsitsipas. I actually would like it if Lehechka won. Um, I think that would be really cool to see a qualifier come all the way through again to the semifinals. I'll, kind of like Aslan Karata, but I think Tsitsipas is a little too strong for him there. The next one that we've got, Djokovic Rublev. I think we're both in agreement. It's yep. going to be Djokovic. We're just. I'm just going to move us on there. To yeah, be honest, let's go to the last one. Last one, I think, far more interesting. Ben Shelton, Tommy Paul. This one for me, also a complete toss up. Uh, I personally am going to go with Shelton because I'm going to favor the bigger server here. But Tommy Paul has a pretty big serve too. He's worked on it a lot, so. I don't know, but but I'm going to go Shelton in a really, really razor-thin margin. I would not be surprised if Tommy Paul won this. I actually thought you were going to go with Tommy Paul because I was picking Shelton because I think that he's he's a I think I don't think he's I don't think Paul's a good matchup for him. I, I really don't. I think that someone who brings like extreme heat to Paul is not a good matchup. I don't think Paul's got enough flair in his game to kind of junk ball and mess him up a little bit like i don't think that that's really going to happen i think that shelton is just way too strong not only off the serve but also off that ground first two balls also frank it depends on when they play if they play at night and it slows down a little bit 
Paul's I, gonna get. Yeah, I'm gonna give the edge to Paul. But if it's yeah. a daytime match with Sun, I'm giving it to Ben Shelton. My concern with Shelton is that he doesn't completely rely on the fact that he's a lefty, but it's certainly a part of his game, as it should be for any lefty. And Tommy Paul has one of the better backhands on tour, so it just neutralizes that part of that of his game for me. That is, that's like the one thing that's a little bit concerning on my end. But again, I'm I'm gonna pick Shelton. I I, I I'm gonna give it to him by like again the smallest of margins. So that brings us to a semifinals of Karen Kachanov versus Stefano Tsitsipas and Novak Djokovic versus Ben Shelton. So for me. I will go with Stefano Tsitsipas there, and I will go with Novak Djokovic, which sets up the final that I actually said from the beginning of this whole thing, to be honest. So I'm going to pick that. Yeah, this is going to be one of the more boring episodes because I'm going to pick the same. I I, I think Kachanov runs run ends there. I, I think that Steph has more game, and he plays better in the Australian crowd. Like you were talking about, there's a big, uh, you know, big, big Greek community down there and they really support him and he plays very, very well. So I think he'll get another shot at an Australian open title, but uh, I think we're both in agreement that that is not going to happen. And Mr. Joker is going to pick up his like 4,000th Australian open. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think that the theme of this tournament that you and I and, um, and Lucas even said from the start was, you know, give me, uh, no, sorry, excuse me, not Lucas. Um, that wow. Wow. Uh, I was because we were texting with Lucas wow. uh, that me, you and Philip said from the start was Novak by a million. And I think that's still held up. I mean, the guy just looks unbeatable, to be honest. I, I'm going to say, you know, I, I, I think that's the theme. I think Novak gets his its 10th Australian Open now and let the Novak revenge tour begin. Telling you. That'll wrap it up for us, guys. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to follow, subscribe us on all major platforms and also our social medias. We are Breakpoint Podcast 7 on all major platforms, Instagram, Twitter. We're on Apple, Spotify, Amazon. We're pretty much all over the place. We are on TikTok. We don't really post anything, but, you know, follow us. Frank might just randomly just, you know, post something one day. So it's always good to follow. Um, we love the Instagram engagement. Keep following us. Keep subscribing keep engaging with our questions we absolutely love it uh and we will talk to you guys soon yeah shout out to the viewers by the way undefeated on their poll so far of their match predictions fun fact for you and also shout out to maria sakari who liked our story so maria we love you be on the podcast you're welcome on maria we're tagging you and we're gonna we're gonna get you on <laughs> catch you next time guys see ya